0: Thank you for joining us for today's Practical Living broadcast, and I pray that through this message that you will learn how to apply God's Word and truths to any situation in your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Today we continue our series together entitled Waymaker. I want to talk to you for a few moments today about being bound by bad beliefs in your life, being bound by bad beliefs. We're into a new year. Obviously, this is the 21st of January, and as it being three quarters or actually more than three quarters of the way through the first month of a new year. I hope that you're still thinking about new. I hope you're still thinking about a new year. And anytime we think about new or new year or new opportunities, we realize that there are always two parts to something new. There's the exiting of something that is old and the entrance into something that is new. You can't have one without the other. So every new thing in your life involves exits and entrances. And the Bible actually is a book that describes in many different ways the exits and the entrances that God has for his people. We see this clearly, for example, in the nation of Israel. There was a time when Israel became slaves in Egypt. They were slaves there for 430 years. Think about that. And they suffered and struggled intensely under the ruthlessness of the Egyptian pharaohs and the taskmasters there. And again, for over 400 years, they're slaves in Egypt. They do not have freedom. They're living under the thumb, under the control of the Egyptians. And then God raised up a man by the name of Moses. He has an encounter with God at the burning bush, and God calls him to go back and speak to the people, to the Pharaoh and to the people of Egypt and say, it's time for the people of God to go. And, of course, we know the story how Pharaoh resisted that, and there are plagues that break out. There are 10 plagues that happen, the final plague being the plague of the Passover, the time when the death angel came over Egypt, and all the firstborn were killed, those that were spared. The The death of the firstborn were those that had painted their doorposts with the blood of a lamb. That signifies the power of the blood. And, of course, it points to Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, and the Lamb of God. And after that event, the passing over of the death angel, the killing of the firstborns there in Egypt, Pharaoh finally says, okay, Moses, you can let the people go. And there in that moment, Moses begins to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and out of their slavery. He leads them up to the edge of the Red Sea. And as he's on the journey toward the Red Sea, Pharaoh, back in Egypt, really wakes up and says, You know what? I've lost my workforce. I've lost my labor force. I'm not going to let them go after all. And so he comes after them. And so I want you to see the picture. Here are the children of Israel leaving their slavery, coming up to the edge of the Red Sea. And now Pharaoh and his armies are coming behind them to bring them back into slavery again. And there they are in that moment, as the Bible describes in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10, the response of the people of God to this moment. Let me read it for you. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They're terrified because there's no way out, they can't cross the sea. Because obviously the water is there and there's no way for them to get across that. And they can't go backward because the enemy is behind them. And so they're in a place where there is no way out from their perspective. And notice what happens next in chapter 14, verse 13, as Moses now speaks to the people and God speaks to Moses. Notice what transpires. Moses answered the people. They're crying out in fear. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And so Moses says, look, God's going to take care of this situation. He didn't bring you this far to leave you. Stand still, you're going to see the deliverance, the salvation of God. Then in verse number 15, then God speaks to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on, raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And so God says to Moses, Moses, take the rod I've given you, stretch it over the the Red Sea. I'm going to part the water. And of course, you know the story. The Israelites went across the Red Sea on dry ground, and ultimately the Egyptians are drowned in that very water after the Israelites have made their way through. So God God got them out. God made a way where there was no way. Now, God's plan for the Israelites was not just to get them out of Egypt. This is extremely important. I hope you're listening today. God's plan for them was not just to get them out of Egypt. God's plan was to get them into the promised land. See, God never just calls you out of something. Anytime there's an exit, there's always an entrance. Every time God brings you out, he has a purpose for bringing you into something fresh in you and your life. And so we see the story of the Exodus. In fact, an entire book of the Bible named Exodus. The story of getting out of Egypt. But that's not where the story was to end. God's plan was to get them into the promised land, Deuteronomy Chapter 6, verse 23. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to their ancestors. And so here's the plan. God said, I got you out, but now I'm going to take you through Mount Sinai. I'm going to take you to the promised land. I want you to enter in the land of Canaan. And this is where a lot of the trouble started for the Israelites. Because they didn't understand the difference between being a slave and being someone who would inherit a land They could not compute this in their minds. And so, as Moses is leading them up to the edge of the promised land all through their journey, they're grumbling and they're complaining and they're talking about going back to Egypt. And they're just not happy people. They're not happy campers. They're all frustrated because they don't understand how this is going to transpire. They're still living with a slave mindset, they're still living as though they're captive to the Egyptians. Although they're free in their mind, they're still enslaved. They're not free. And so when Moses finally gets them to the edge of the promised land, before they go in to capture the land, Moses says, we're going to do something here. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. He says, we're going to, I'm going to send 12 guys in to check out the land first to see what it looks like. And they're going to bring a report back. And so Moses appointed 12 guys to go in and check out the land to see what it was going to be like. And take a look now with me at at chapter 13 of Numbers. Let's see the assignment that Moses gave to these 12 men. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, here's, here are the instructions, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are, there unwalled or, are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. And so Moses says, go in and check it out. Here's the, here's the reason Moses did this. He wanted them to see the beauty of the land. He wanted them to catch a vision of what their future could be. Because you always go in the direction of your vision so he wanted them to go in and come back and give a report to all of Israel that, wow, this is an amazing land. Here's some of the grapes that we brought back. It's a land that's flowing with milk and honey. We surely should go in and conquer this land. Moses hoped that somehow these 12 spies would come back excited and thrilled. And they would pass on their enthusiasm to the entire nation of Israel. That was his hope. But notice, if you will, what happened when they return, when these 12 men return, let's see what transpires. Numbers chapter 13. By the way, I'm talking today about being bound by bad beliefs. Look at chapter 13 of Numbers 26, verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh. These 12 spies came back in the desert parent. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. So they come back, they're going to give a report to everyone. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. So they brought back some of the beautiful grapes from the land there. Notice verse 28, how it begins. But, but the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites lived near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. We can certainly do it. We can certainly do it. Verse 31, but, there's that word again, the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Verse 36, so the men Moses had sent to explore the land, who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. Here's what I want you to see. They come out of Egypt exiting out of something that was slavery. They go to the promised land, get to the edge. Twelve men go in to check it out. The twelve men come back to give a report to Moses and all the people. And ten of those twelve said, it's beautiful, it's incredible. Look at some of the grapes that we brought back. The fruit is beautiful. However, but there's some problems in going in. There's a lot of enemies in there. We can't do this. So their mindset was, we can't. Ten of them said, we can't. Two of them, and one is identified here in the story by the name of Caleb. There was another with him named Joshua. So Joshua and Caleb came back with a different report, and their report was not, we can't. Their report was, we can't. What I want you to see is two different mindsets. A group of people that said, we can't, and two people who said, we can Two sets of thinking we can't and we can. The majority was the we can't crowd, the minority was the we can crowd. And I would ask you to think about it in your life which of those two groups do you tend to fit in in your life? Are you a part of the we can't company, or are you a part of the we can company? Because that distinguishes what happens in your journey, in your life. Because we know from the story that what happens eventually is that all 10 of those who said we can't never make it into the promised land. And all those who believed their report never made it into the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb, the two we can people, made it into the promised land along with those of the earlier generation that believed and trusted God to possess the land. So understand it makes a difference in your life. So I'm going to talk to you today about three things that you and I need to understand about our mindset, because this is what we're seeing here in the story. We're seeing a group of people who are bound by bad beliefs, those 10, and we're seeing two people who are blessed by right beliefs. Bound by bad beliefs, blessed by right beliefs. Here are three things to remember today. Number one. Your beliefs are a key part of your mind. Now, this might sound simple, but I want to draw a distinction between two dimensions of your life, your brain and your mind. There's a difference between your brain and your mind. Let me describe the difference. Your brain is the organ that sits in your skull. It weighs about three pounds. It's sort of a fatty mass that's filled with all kind of nerves and neurons and cells. You're about... 86 billion cells in your brain is an organ of your body. Most of it is congealed together with fat, okay? So the next time someone calls you a fat head, you can say, yep, you're right. That's exactly who I am. And so all of us have this three-pound thing in our head that is a physical organ called the brain. You have one. The anatomy of every human being, every human brain is basically the same. If we were to get a big table here today, and we were to take all your brains out and put all your brains on the table, they would all look alike. You could not tell one brain from another, unless there was some pathology that you had in your brain, maybe a tumor or something that identified it with you. They all look the same. So I would ask you the question today. If our brains all look the same, why are we not all the same? We all have the same kind of brain, right? It's a functioning part of our body, and so why are we not the same? I will tell you why we are not the same, because our brains are programmed by our thinking, Programmed obviously at some level by our DNA by our heretical uh, 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 our, our background our heredity that we've accumulated from our family history going back for generations but also it, it's affected by your experiences by the choices you've had in your life your brain is being affected by your thinking by your mind or by your programming your thoughts especially your beliefs are a big part of your mind and your mind is running your brain think of it this way your brain is the hardware and your thinking is the software. And so what's running on the hardware of your brain is the software of your thoughts. Brain and mind are different. Your brain is programmed in a certain way. And part of what programs your brain, you program your brain with beliefs. A big part of it. A big part of what runs your brain is what you believe. Let me, let me uh, explain a belief to you or, or define a belief for you today. A belief is this. A belief is anything that you've identified or categorized either consciously or unconsciously as being true, valid, reliable. You said, okay, I am accepting this as a fact. I'm accepting it as true and reliable, either consciously or unconsciously. You have bought into that, bought into the idea of something being true. Our thoughts, our beliefs run our life. This is clear in Scripture. One of the most instructional verses in the Bible, one that I've come to love and appreciate from its, its instructional value for me and for us is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I've preached on this before. I'm sure that I will preach on it many times again because it's such a key part of our spiritual life and journey. Listen to what it says. I'm reading from the ERV translation. Above all, be careful what you Think. Because your thoughts do what? Be careful above all else. Be careful what you think because your thoughts are controlling your life. I would submit to you today that we should take that verse very seriously. Would you agree with me? If your thoughts are running your life, controlling your life, then it's extremely important to understand what am I thinking and what am I believing because my beliefs are part of my thought structure. And so that's running my life. And that leads me to my second point today. Your beliefs, your thinking processes will determine your attitudes, your actions, and your emotions. Note this. What you do with your life, the attitudes you have, the actions you take, and the emotions you feel are linked to how you think, what you believe. They have Your beliefs have consequences to them. Let's go back to the story of the spies a few moments ago. Remember those 12 spies we talked about just a moment ago? You remember them? 10 of them believed we can, and two of them believed we We can. The ones that believe we can't never made it in. The ones who believe we can made it into the promised land. What I want you to see, there are consequences to your beliefs. What you believe matters, what you think matters, because it opens up or closes doors in your life. The Bible is so very clear about this in so many different places. The Bible teaches us that our beliefs make a big difference in our life. They will make you happy or they will make you miserable. Your beliefs will make you sane or they will make you sick. They will make you insecure or secure. They will make you peaceful or agitated and angry. Your beliefs will make you loving or hateful. Your beliefs will make you productive or unproductive. Your beliefs will create life in you or create death in you. Your beliefs will make you gracious or condemning. Your beliefs will make you generous or a miser. Your beliefs are created the essence of your life right now. So it matters what you believe. Let's look at the life of Jesus for a moment in the story that he told Jesus often gave parables. He gave stories to illustrate principles. And he gave one of these parables in Matthew chapter 25. He said, let me tell you a story about a man, a master, an owner of a business, we might say. And he had three servants, and he called them in because he's going to go on a long trip. And so he's going to give some assignments to these, these three servants. And to the first man, he calls them and says, here are 10 bags of gold, or excuse me, five bags of gold. And to the second, he gave two bags of gold. And to the third one, he gave one bag of gold. He said, I'm going to go away. You guys just handle my business. You're stewarding my business while I'm gone. I've made investment in you. Let's see what you do with it. In essence, what do he say? So the master goes away for a period of time. He comes back, and he calls all of those three servants together and says, okay, let me see what you've been doing while I've been away. And the man with five bags of gold comes back and says, master, I've been working hard and been doing great. Here's 10 bags. I turned your five into 10. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. The man with two bags of gold, as the master asked him for an accounting, he says, master, I've been working hard too. I've been doing a great job. I took what you gave me and i multiplied. Here are four bags of gold back from the two that you first gave me. And so he says to this gentleman as well, well done, good and faithful servant but there's another man in the story who received one bag of gold. Let's take a look at his thinking because his thinking is very different from the thinking of the other two. And what I want you to see today is what's going on in your head matters, amen? What's going on between your ears up here really matters. What you think matters, what you believe matters. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 24 Then the servant who got one bag of money came to the master. The servant said, Master, I knew. I thought. It was in my head. This was my perception. This is how I thought. This is what I believed. Master, I knew you were a very hard man. You harvest where you did not plant. You gather crops where you did not put any seeds. So I was, what was he? Afraid. Afraid. I went and hid your money in the ground. Here's the one bag of money you gave me. Here's what I want you to see. This, the man given the one bag of gold, he says, you know what? I thought about you and I thought, that guy's really a hard guy. I don't want to lose his money. And he thought, he reasoned in his own thinking a negative perspective of his master, of his boss, if you will. And because of that, it created fear inside. What he thought created an emotion. Are you, are you tracking with me today? What he was thinking resulted in an emotion that resulted in an action. I thought you were mean and hard so I was afraid so I hid my talent in the earth. It all started not with hiding the talent. It started with the wrong set of beliefs up here. Was the master a hard man? Didn't appear to me to be a hard man. He was a pretty nice guy at the first two, right? The guy that took 5 and turned it into 10 and the guy that took 2 and turned it into 4 well done good and faithful servant seems like a pretty nice guy but the guy with the 1 had the wrong set of beliefs and those affected his behavior and they affected his emotions in his life see what goes on in your head is affecting every part of your life that's why the Bible says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds your mind is very important Your mind is the software that runs on your brain that results in your attitudes, your actions, and your emotions in your life. Here's my third point today, and this is where it really gets exciting. Simple statement, but I want you to hear it today. Are you ready for it? Jesus Christ wants to free you from bad beliefs. Simple, but important. We're talking today about Waymaker. Jesus came to free you from bad beliefs. Let's go back to the story of the Exodus for a moment. Remember I told you a moment ago, God never brings you out without a plan to bring you in. Right? He brought them out of Egypt that he might lead them into the promised land. And God wants to lead you out of your Egypt into your promised land. How does he lead us out? The same way he led the children of Israel out by the blood of the Lamb. I'm so thankful that I can look back on my life and know there was a point in time when I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. And Jesus painted the blood of the Lamb over the doorpost of my life. I was redeemed from slavery to sin. I was saved. I was born again. I was brought out of my spiritual Egypt. Are you glad for that in your life today? I've been delivered from that slavery to sin. But just because you've been delivered from slavery to sin does not imply or does not mean you'll always step into your promised land. There are a lot of Christians who've been saved from their sin, but they're wandering around in a wilderness, never stepping in to their promised land. I'm here to tell you today that God has a promised land for you. It's different for all of us. Don't measure your promised land on the basis of somebody else's. It's going to look different. But God has promises for your life. He has potential for your life. He has things that he's going to use you to do that he cannot use anyone else or will not use anyone else to do in the same measure. There's a promised land for your life. There's something that only you can contribute to God and his kingdom and his kingdom work on earth. He put you here for a purpose. There is a land of fruitfulness that God wants to bring you into a land of potential for your life. To be used effectively for his kingdom. And it's not just enough to come out of Egypt you and I need to make it into the promised land into the promised land but you know what will keep you out of the promised land that right there how you think because it's true for the ten spies who were kept out and the two spies that made it in it's true for you and true for me as well so how do we address this we have to be aware then of the things that cloud our thinking or the things that are wrong in our thought processes or what I will call misbeliefs in your life. And all of us have misbeliefs. We have things that we think are true when they're really not true we've accepted something as being true when it's not true at all. We, we've we bought into a lie in our mind, and that lie is the software we're running on, and we're wondering why our attitudes stink, and, and our emotions are all out of whack, and our actions are not where they need to be. And we're wondering, why, why am I doing all those things? It's because that's a, that's a consequence of the software that's running in your mind. If you run your mind on a lie... On things that aren't true, then in essence your life will never be everything that God intends for it to be. Many of us are making ourselves miserable because of the misbeliefs we have in our head, the lies we have in our head about God, the lies we have in our head about ourselves, the lies we have in our head about other people, the lies we have in our head about the world around us and our purpose in the world. We are making ourselves miserable. As I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about my own life. I cannot count the number of times I've made my own self miserable by my own thoughts. I thought things were true when I found out later they weren't true, and I made myself miserable for a week or two weeks or a month or six months or a year. And I just went around in misery thinking something was true until I found, oh, that's not true at all. Thinking that person doesn't like me, that person doesn't care about me, and find out six months later they don't even think about me, okay? Are you with me? Okay. And you've done the same thing too because you just laughed when I said that, okay? You build these things up in your head and they become monsters and giants in your head and you're carrying that stuff around with you and you're suffering the misery of it you're reacting to it. And before long, over a period of time, you discover it. That's not even true. And, and when you discover the truth, you know the truth and the truth sets you free. Lies always bind you up truth always sets you free do I need to say that again let me tell you who's the master liar his name is the devil he's real and he all he ever does he can't tell the truth Jesus said of him and John I believe it's John chapter I want to say chapter 6 or 8 I can't remember right now you can look it up but he said when the devil speaks he lies he's a liar he's been a liar from the beginning his native language is lying so the enemy loves to camp in your world and to camp on your shoulder and tell you these lies about God and these lies about yourself and these lies about other people and these lies about the world around you because he knows if he can build a lie into your software he's going to affect your attitude your actions and your feelings and your emotions And so we accept things as being true when they're not true at all. How many times have you believed the wrong thing about God? You just haven't believed that God is good and God is caring and God's kind and God's got your back and God's going to get you through this. You haven't believed that. You've believed the opposite of that. You've been miserable because of what you were believing about God. How many times have you believed the wrong things about you? God says one thing about you and you say something else about yourself. And so now you're living in the misery of your own opinion of yourself instead of God's opinion of you. How many times have you believed the wrong thing about other people? You were you were, you were were convinced of something about someone else. You perhaps judged someone else in some way and you found out later they weren't like that at all. Or maybe as I said a moment ago, you, you've made the assumption that someone felt something about you or thought something about you when you discovered later they didn't think that at all. And so we build all these lies into our system and we wonder why we're feeling so miserable in life. So the question becomes, how do, we, how do we get out of this? How do we break this pattern? How does Jesus make a way out of this for us? I'm going to give you five things that are essential to doing this as we conclude here today. Five ways to break out of bad beliefs. Number one, you need to settle your basic beliefs. What I mean by that is your basic beliefs in God. What do you believe about God? Because what you believe about God matters. And where do you find what you ought to believe about God in this book called the Bible? It describes God to you. Okay? As you open up the pages of this book, you read and understand this is who God is. And let me tell you just for a brief moment to who God is. God is a good God. God is a kind God. God is a compassionate God. God is a forgiving God. God is a gracious God. God is a God of strength and power. There's nothing that is too hard or difficult for him. God is a God who's greater in you than those things that are in the world. God is for you. God is not against you. This is who our God is. He is the mighty God, the personal God who loves you beyond anything that you can imagine. And if you ever believe anything opposite of that related to God, you're believing a lie about God because this is who God is. And so many times we bind lies about God. Oh, God's not good. God's not working in my life. I can't see as evidence. I can't see an answer to prayer. And we begin to tell ourselves lies and we find ourselves miserable and frustrated in our spiritual journey because we're buying into a lie. God is good and he's good all the time. God is kind and he's kind all the time. God is loving and he's loving all the time. God cares about you. God is a provider. He's going to get you through every provisional need you ever have in your life. He said, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. This is the God that we serve. This is who God is. Never buy into a lie about the nature and the character of God. Get to know your God. Get to know your God. So no one can talk you out of who your God is. And you know who your God is because it's founded in truth in God's word. This is who I serve. This is the God I love who loves me in return. And I've settled my basic beliefs about that. You can't shake me up anymore. I'm not defining my beliefs about God by what you say or what the world says or what the internet says or what the media says. I'm defining my beliefs about God based upon what his word says about him. Are you with me today? And then you need to continually flood your mind with wholesome, healthy thoughts. Get rid of the junk food, mental junk food around you. Some of us, we just feed ourselves mental junk food all the time. And we wonder why we're not happy. Well, you figure it out. You say, Where's the mental junk food? It's all around us, it's on the internet. Social media, it's television, radio, music, movies. And you just eat this diet of junk food. You wonder, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Because you're eating the wrong food, okay? You're eating the wrong mental food. So saturate your mind with wholesome, healthy thoughts. That's why we provide you resources. That's why I gave you that little book a couple weeks ago. That's why we do things like this for you, because I want you to have stuff that's good for you good food for you so you can take some time and and, and let your mind be renewed with the truth of God's word and practice things that get you thinking the right way. The third thing that's necessary is to inspect the underlying thoughts and beliefs that are creating your negative feelings. What do I mean by that? Let me see if I can explain it this way. Most often, we, we, we tend to think about our feelings. We often, how are you feeling today? How you feel. You ever heard that phrase, right? You probably ask somebody that pretty much every day. How you feeling? I would suggest that we would do better if we asked, how you thinking? Instead of how you feeling, how you thinking? Amen? Are you getting this today? Just to change, because let me show you why. This is important. Because your feelings are an expression of your thinking. It's not your feelings that rule your life. It's your thinking that creates your feelings. I'll prove it to you. If I were to sit down with you right now and say, tell me the most miserable experience you've ever had in your life and the person that's treated you the worst, and I want you to tell me all the dirty details and how badly they've treated you. About five minutes in, you know what's going to happen? Your emotions are going to be riling up. You're going to be feeling all kind of anger and stuff you haven't felt for years. Why? Because you're thinking about that person. Yeah, they really did. Yeah. Where's my gun? Okay, I'm going after them. Before long, you're just riled up on the inside. That's a joke, by the way, okay? That's a joke, by the way. On the other hand, if I say, tell me about the person who's treated you the best in your life. Who's been the kindest and sweetest to you? Could you talk about them for a few moments? You know what's going to happen? You start thinking about that person and talking about them. What are you going to start feeling? You're going to feel love. You're going to feel joy. You're going to feel, wow, It's amazing, grateful, all these feelings. See, what I want you to see is your feelings are an expression of something else. See, I can't change my feelings. No, you can't change your feelings, but you can change your thinking. Amen? And what you want to learn to do is when negative feelings come up in your life, don't spend your time trying to change your feelings. Take time and go back and check out your thinking, Okay? Because your thinking is what's producing your feelings. And what I've learned and am learning, I have not uh, certainly am not perfect at this in my own life. I still struggle with this just like you do because we're all human. But if you can trace back the negative thoughts and the ungodly or the, 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 the deceptive lies in your mind that you've bought into, then you change that and you change your emotion associated with it. But it takes some effort. It takes some involvement on your part. Let's go to the next one. Challenge your thoughts and your emotions. You need to challenge them. That when you discover that your thoughts and emotions are inconsistent with what's true, then challenge them. Say, I'm not going to let you live in me. I'm going to take control of my own thinking. Who's in charge of your mind? You are, okay? You with Jesus, Holy Spirit working, and you're in charge of your mind, which means that when you find yourself thinking something you shouldn't think, then all you need to do is rise up in the name of Jesus and take authority over that and say, you know what? I'm not going to let that thought remain in me any longer. It's an enemy in my head. And you would never let someone come and live in your house that was just tearing your house up, would you? If they were in your house, tearing your house up and just wreaking havoc all over your house, I hope that at some point in time you would evict them. You'd say, I'm not going to let you stay here. But so often we let these thoughts come in our head and they're wreaking havoc in our mind and we never rise up and say, get out of here in the name of Jesus. I take authority over you and take you captive and make you obedient to Jesus Christ. You no longer can live in me. And when you rise up like that, you've got to fight the fight. You've got to press against them. They're not just going to say, well, I'll just walk away. No, you've got to have some authority here. And I want you, Jesus gave you a badge. It's the authority of his name. And he says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. We take captive every thought. And then there's one more thing I want to mention to you. Is this helping anybody today? Is it helping anybody today? you got to stay. Everybody say stay. stay. you got to stay with the process. Because let me tell you something. You can get your thinking straight today, but the devil's going to show up again tomorrow. Are you hearing me? He never takes a vacation. He ne- he's never going to leave you alone. Now It can get better as you learn to build your life on truth, and you can become more uh, much stronger in these areas. But I promise you... There's always an attack coming your way. That's why the apostle Paul said that our our battle is not with flesh and blood, okay? But with principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Ephesians chapter six, it says, therefore, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Do you know what the first piece of the armor of God is? The helmet of Salvation. Where do you wear a helmet? You don't wear a helmet on your feet. You wear your helmet where? On your head. The very first piece of armor that God gives you every day. Wake up and say, today I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. That I'm walking in the reality of the truth of God's word. I'm going to stay with the process. I need to conclude here, and I will do so by reading for you Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. I'm reading from the Amplified Give me just a couple of moments and we'll be done today. Here's how to check your thinking. Finally, believers, that's us. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, Whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what is that next word? Think. Think, Think continually on these things. Look at those again. True, honorable, worthy of respect, right, confirmed by God's word, pure, wholesome, lovely, brings peace, admirable, good repute, excellent, praiseworthy. Think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. The things which you have learned please notice this the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me Paul says practice these things practice what I just told you about here in daily life and notice the promise and the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. The pathway to peace in your mind is not just prayer. That's an important part of it. But the pathway to peace in your mind is to make sure you're thinking the right way in your head, okay? It's to chase those demons out that come and lie to you and tell you all those things that would upset and disturb you and you grab hold of the truth of God's word and say you know what I'm going to think what is true and right and lovely and pure and honorable and praiseworthy and excellent I'm going to set my mind on these things if it doesn't fit that filter it doesn't deserve to be in my head Amen? amen and Paul says you know what if you'll do that the God of peace will be with you would you bow your heads with me as we pray today thank you Lord Thank you that you make a way where there is no way. You're the way maker. You made a way out of our bad beliefs, Lord. And so many times we find ourselves thinking thoughts that are contrary, that are disturbing, that are painful. The enemy lies to us about you, God, lies to us about ourselves, about other people, lies to us about circumstances. And Lord, we buy into those lies and we make ourselves miserable by doing that. And we've all done it. We all do it. And God, we want to stop that. We want there to be a, a breakthrough in our lives. We want to make it into our promised land. So Lord, I pray today in the name of Jesus, I pray, oh God, for a fresh anointing upon the heads of your people. Pour oil on their heads today, God. I'm going to ask you just to do something right where you are. Would you just put your your hands over the top of your head. It might seem a little weird right now. It's okay. I just want to just put your hands on the top of your head right now. Would you do that? And just begin to say, God, anoint my head with oil. Would you just begin to ask him, say, Lord, anoint my head with oil. Anoint my head with oil. Anoint our heads with oil, oh God. Drive out those thoughts that are disruptive and that create all kind of disturbance inside of us and Lord let our thinking be thinking that is healed and restored and cleansed and we pray that even miracles would happen in this room today oh God as we are crying out to you and seal this word in our heart through the grace and power of your spirit for that we thank you in Jesus name And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.